Five Stones Church thanks you for listening to this message from Pastor Ryan Smith. For more information, events, and the latest news, consider connecting with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Together, we can awaken a generation. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 is a verse of scripture that many of us have heard and probably uh, many uh, various pastors, if you've heard, have, have quoted it. The Bible says, the prophet Joel said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall have visions. How many has heard Joel's prophecy of Joel 2, 28? We, we also know in the book of Acts that, that when the day of Pentecost had come, that scripture was quoted again because Peter said this is what is being fulfilled, the prophecy of Joel. I see, I believe that God's still pouring out his spirit. See, I still believe there's a move of God in the earth. Now, I understand that it appears as if we're living under a canopy of darkness, doesn't it? It appears to me that that even at some level that, that there's a great struggle and a great conflict between light and darkness, and that's very much the truth. And I think sometimes because of the culture and the situations of life, it's difficult to believe God's moving. In fact, how many has felt like that heaven has somehow bypassed you and the glory hasn't moved and the, the power and the presence and the prevailing movement of God hasn't touched you at the level you'd like to be touched? Ain't nobody in the building. Do you ever get desperate for a touch? Do you ever long to hear his voice? Do you ever get to the place in your prayer time that you say, glory, 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 come on down? There's times where you become a, a desperate man or a desperate woman for a, a touch of God. And, and I think that's important for us to remain so sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I think we're living in a land that wants to diminish our sensitivity. I think we're living in a land where it wants to marginalize the Holy Ghost, which means make it non-relevant. How many understand what I'm talking about? Because when I was preparing for this service today, and I was thinking about it and, and spending time meditating on it, I kept coming across three words. Self-preservation society. A self-preservation society. We're a group of people that, that operate independently from God. We're a people that have the, the ability and the intellect and the philosophies of life in order to navigate through life's difficulties without really having to pray, without needing a touch of the glory, without needing the direction or the instructions or the strategies of God. Thus, we have forfeited the God factor. Now, the tragedy in all that is, how many has ever got to the place where things didn't work out so well for you? Somebody grunt. I mean, where you thought you did your very best, you made the best decision, it was educated, it was informed, and you did all that, and yet it still didn't work out very well for you, and you found yourself frustrated saying, God, why didn't you stop me? Y'all ain't never said that. You never made decisions and went, God, why did you not put an angel in my path and tell me no? Because when you operate in self-preservation, you're no longer sensitive to the, to the Spirit speaking to you. And I don't know how you feel about it, but I still need dreams. I still need visions. And I still need the prophetic to move in my life because it gives me what I need to know the, the revealing will of God. And I still need the manifested glory of God. And I still want the foretaste of heaven. 
I like foretasting heaven. I like it when worship feels like I can't stay on this people planet. I like reading the Word and it feels like God speaking profoundly and prophetically in my spirit. And it's not just words as if it was some kind of Reader's Digest documentary. See, I want to be in the presence of God. How about you? I want to be where he's breathing, where he's moving, where his inspiration is upon my life. I don't want to go through the calisthenics. I, I don't want to go through the mechanics of this thing. I want his breath in my life. I want to begin to feel and sense and, and, and be caught up in the wonder. How many like to get caught back up in the wonder of the awesomeness of God and the God factor that moves so profoundly that you know it's God, not you? I think we live in a land that has forced us into a place where we're ashamed. Where we're ashamed of dreams. Ashamed of the prophetic. Ashamed of the embrace or the encounters of God. Because people look down their religious nose at you and question the reality of who you are. I understand what it feels like to even question if he's going to speak again because there's some weeks in this study that I'll go God I, I really need you to give me a word I need to be able to, to carry see you don't understand that burden I know because the, the greatest burden you had this morning was, was whether it was decaf or caffeinated whether you stopped and got a biscuit or two you wait till after church is over but see I've been agonizing over today and I've been struggling with today, and I'm not going to be I'm not going to be one of those pastors to just come to the platform and go, it's been a great day. No, I've been agonizing over this day. I've been struggling, people, what's wrong with you? Because I'm carrying this weight, this heavy, and I'm not real good at, at masking it over. Because my concern is 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 so much to the point. I'm fearful that we have compromised our pursuits of his presence in order to be pleasing to a culture that does not want a God encounter, that does not want an embrace from God, that does not want the divine of God. And yet I feel there's a wrestling. We are a group of people who must continue to push for his presence. And some days it feels as if you're pushing against an unmovable object, doesn't it? Do you ever feel like you've prayed and it hadn't went nowhere? You fasted and sought God, and it seems like heaven has for some reason went silent in your behalf. And, and it seems as if you just choose the path of passivity because it's better than, than the pain that you feel of silence. You ever felt like heaven's been silent? You ever faced dilemmas and you needed God to speak and you weren't quite sure if he would? Matthew chapter 1, let me go here for just a few moments, can I? Let me say something that I, I, I want to say up front. The awakening we need in America, the awakening I desire to see, it will not be led by a donkey or an elephant. In case you missed my symbolism, the awakening we need in America is not going to be led by a Republican Party or a Democratic Party, or a political party. It cannot awaken and cannot be led by a donkey 
or an elephant. It has to be led by a lamb and a dove. A lamb of God and the dove of the Holy Ghost. You can't have an awakening, a sight of Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost. The awakening is not legislated. The awakening is not manuscripted. The, the awakening you and I are going to be a part of is an awakening because the Holy Spirit is going to continue to kiss the earth with God encounters that empowers men and women, common men and common women into the supernatural arena of God that He might get the fullness out of our life and I'm a candidate today, and I hope somebody else is. Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to preach here. Verse 18. Matthew 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother had betrothed or been engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, a right man, a right-standing man, a righteous man, a, a loyal man, a pure man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Look at verse 20. But while he thought about these things, sounds like to me he's a thinking man, a rational man, a thinking man. While he thought about these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in what? In a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take uh, Mary to be your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth the Son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. How many know J Joseph is the overlooked character? of the narrative of the, of the Christmas story. I mean, I understand Mary gets a lot of props, rightfully so, being the, the virgin that carried and opened her womb by the Holy Spirit to carry the, the, the born child of Christ, the born child of God, Jesus Christ. And so we understand that. But I don't think Joseph gets a whole lot of play because when you look at the story of Joseph, there's not a lot written about him. There's not a lot of said about him. We, we understand he was common because the Bible makes mention of him being a carpenter. So he wasn't necessarily the most eloquent man, or he wasn't necessarily a theologian, but he was a man who was just and right with God. You see that. I'm going to show you something. Chapter 2, let's go. Here we go. Chapter 2, verse 12. Chapter 2, verse 12. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed from their own country another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a saying, Arise and take your young child and his mother and flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Go to verse 19. Now when Herod was dead, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the, the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose and took the young child and his mother, and they came to the land of Israel. latter part of verse 22. And being warned by God in a... He turned aside into the region of Galilee... And he came and dwelt in the city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, that he shall be called a Nazarene. 
How many different times did God encounter Joseph? Four different occasions he brought forth a dream, a word, a revelation so that Joseph could be very much a part of leading the, the infant child. Mary was the carrier. Mary had an encounter with the Lord that, that, that allowed her to be opened up to a deposit by the Holy Ghost. The thing that you and I need to realize is that was only the beginning of the encounter. Because Joseph was in a dilemma. Because Joseph was engaged. And his engaged wife-to-be comes up pregnant by the Holy Ghost. Hmm. Hmm. How do you explain? Somebody asked one time, they said, do you believe that story? I don't believe you really can believe that kind of, kind of fairy tale and fantasy. How can you believe that? And they asked me the question. If you had a daughter and she came to you, and said that she had not laid with a man, that she was a virgin but pregnant, would you believe that that is possible? Here's my response. First, I don't have a daughter. But number two, could I accept my daughter, if I had one, had received a child by the Holy Ghost knowing she had not slept with a man? Here's my response, have I thought about it? Yes, I believe that if an angel visits my daughter and says, Fear not, for this day you shall receive a child, the Son of God, by the Holy Spirit. And I can accept it if this child has wise men coming from afar, guided by a star, bringing gifts to my house to honor the birth. Y'all missing me? I'll accept that if the wise men show up to worship and bringing gifts. I'll, I'll be able to accept it if this child that she has conceived without knowing a man can control the waves and the wind. If this man that is born within her can control the dynamics of an earthly realm, then I'll accept it. I got news for you. Either I accept it or I continue through the pageantry of, uh, of ignorance and I, I, I focus on the things that I think I can control. I understand that the gospel, as we know it and as we should preach it, is so far outside the scope of reality it's difficult for intellectual men to understand. How do you accept the fact that a woman receives a seed by the Holy Ghost. I like looking at Joseph because Joseph needed God encounters. The first God encounter he had came through a dream. Why? Because Joel prophesied in the last days that God would pour out his spirit and that old men would dream dreams and young men would have visions. God on four occasions with Joseph gives him a dream. Did you ever see that before? 
We all focus on Mary. We all focus on a baby in swaddling clothes. When's the last time you realized that Joseph had been mandated by God to have encounter after encounter after encounter after encounter in order to preserve this boy child? See, sometimes you think you're not a big player in this. Sometimes you think, well, I'm just common. I sit on the third row or I sit on the last row and I'm not really engaged and I'm not really a part of this. And you can talk about encounters all you want, but I don't see God really needing me. He's looking for you to have God encounters so that you can have all these deposits in your spirit to know what to do in life. The first thing he says to Joseph is, don't worry about it. Still marry her. I don't know about you, but there's some folk in this room that need a God encounter today that gives you the instructions on what to do. Because if you allow the natural dilemmas to play out in front of you, you're frustrated, disgusted, and wrestling. What about if a God encounter came this morning? A God encounter that opens you up through a vision or a revelation or a dream. And you heard God's voice just like Joseph did. And said, don't fear it. Don't put her away. You can still marry her because I'm behind this. How many know that was critical? How many know that's critical? Huh? How many know that's critical? Because Joseph could have erred. Because he was really just a foster father. But he was going to play such a significant role. He may not have been in the birthing part. But had he not had an encounter with God, Mary would have been left to fend for herself. That's why it's important, men, that you hear from God, that you seek God, that you search God, that you follow God, that you have encounters with God, because God can give you instructions for your spouse. That's why he called you to be priests. He called you to be leadership. That's why he called you. You should be the forerunners of finding God's will. And it comes with God encounters. First in God encounter, I'm going to cover these four and we'll let you go to the house. Is that all right? The first encounter was simply this. He said, look, you can, you can accept her. Why? Because I'm pretty confident Joseph was about to go, I don't know who she slept with. I don't know who she thinks she is coming up in here telling me that kind of story because that just doesn't fly with me. Anybody in the building? Because see, with this God encounter with Joseph, what it bring? It brought instruction that brought comfort. You in this room, you say, I'm perplexed. I'm distraught with life. I don't know whether to go left or I don't know where to go right. You need a God encounter that brings instruction and comfort. The first thing God did through the angel and the vision or the dream was he brought instruction and comfort. Am I right about it? The second dream that he has is all about giving him a warning. He said, you can't stay here. Herod has a strategy to destroy the boy children because he's threatened. What's he saying? He said, hell has targeted your house. Is 
there not somebody in this room that knows that hell has targeted your house? And you want to come to church and play cute? No, you need a God encounter so you know the warning signals and know how to move them into safety. He says, flee. How many know that if you don't have a God encounter, you ain't leaving nowhere? Because we creatures of stability. We creatures of habit. And there ain't no woman who just gave birth to a baby ready to pick up house and move. Am I right about it? And the Bible says that he didn't speak to Mary. He didn't speak to Mary and say, Mary, pack your bags. No, he spoke to the man. The God encounter comes through authority. The reason the church is living in empathy and living in, in, in apathy and living in this place of, of, of mere existence is because we've lost the power of the authority structure of God as it relates to the God encounter. We sit and lack, and the enemy just continues to press on us. The second encounter was simply, look, you've got to get out of there. You've got to move. You can't stay here. How many know you've got to be sensitive to God to pick up your house and move? I've moved my family so many times. They counted until they started meeting folk in the military and realized we ain't moved near as much as they have. What's my, what's my story? To the best of my ability, I need God encounters to give me direction because I might stay somewhere I don't need to stay. And I might not need to stay just a day longer because I stay a day longer, they might find me. I hope today I open your eyes to see something because I don't know in my, in my 26 years of preaching the gospel that I've ever broke down Joseph's four encounters with God as it related to taking care of the, of the newborn child, Jesus. Anybody in this building ever seen that? Come on, don't be sleepy-headed on me this morning. I, I'm going to close and just, I'll just give me these four and I'll go. I won't meddle in you no more. But listen to me. We're living in a day and an hour where, where we need instructions. We're living in an hour where we need promptings of warnings in our spirit. We cannot live in carnal knowledge. We cannot live with mere philosophies. We need the voice of God to speak clearly. He said, I'll speak. You just got to have an ear to hear. It's imperative that parents hear the voice of God. I can't just assume they'll figure it out. I can't just assume my kids are going to figure this out. Hell seeks them. And I need some God encountering time. 
where I hear God or I see God through a dream or a vision or a prophetic utterance or pray tell maybe a Sunday on a Sunday a sermon on a Sunday morning that caused me to start seeking God. Joseph gets the instruction that you can accept Mary, it's all right. The next instruction he gets is very simply, listen, Herod's coming. That's a warning. You've got to move your family. And the Bible says that Joseph does that. Doesn't say he argued. Doesn't say he wrestled with it. The Bible says he's very obedient, very sensitive. And the Bible said he departed. And as he's departing, the Bible says that, that, that the word says to arise and take your child and go and flee from Egypt. So that's a wonderful word from God. And then they find a place of safety. And then there comes another word. Verse 19 said, Herod's dead. It's all right now. The Bible says the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph saying, Arise and take the young child and go to the land of Israel. What's he saying? He said, I'm going to give you direction to get back to where I had placed you before. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. Sometimes just because you have been displaced doesn't mean God can't put you back. Just because you've been displaced, just because things went against you, just because things didn't work out the way you thought they were going to work out, is there anybody in this building? That just because things didn't work out does not mean that God in his sovereignty can't put you back where he intended you to be. In fact, his prophecy will always be fulfilled. The Bible says, Arise and take the young child and the mother and go to the land of Israel. For those that sought this child's life, they're dead. So he rose and took the child, his mother, and he came to the land of Israel. Right there we say, man, I had an encounter with God. And God brought me back. But yet verse 22 said, being warned by God in a dream, he said, you can't stay just right where you are. I need to shift it just a little bit. And I need to move you over to the city called Nazareth. You know what that was? That was specific. You know what you can count on from God? You can count on instruction. You can count on, on warning signals from God. You can count on direction from God. And you can count on specific words from God. If I can't count on those four things, I'm in trouble. Think about what I just said. God gave him instruction, did he not? After God gave instruction, God gave warnings. After God gave warnings, God gave greater instruction or, or direction, and then he gave specific direction. Instruction, warning, direction, specific. How many times do you move when you haven't clearly heard from God? How many times do you move when you have not clearly heard from God? The Bible teaches us that his sheep know his voice. My boys know my voice. They've heard my voice their entire life. They know my voice. They know pitch and tone. Your kids know your voice. They know when you're angry. Hello, somebody. When the pitch and tone goes up. When you use their middle name. You can get their attention, can't you? Logan Taylor, 
Let me ask you a question. Has God been trying to get your attention? Has God been trying to get your attention? Because had Joseph ignored the leading and the prompting and the encounter of God, what would have been the end result of the boy child Jesus had there not been a man who had an encounter with God, who got instructions and comfort from God, who got warning signals from God, got direction from God, and got specifics from God. Are we settling for too little? Are we settling for too little? Are we settling for just a little information? Are we settling for just a little bit when God wants to give us full revelation, full insight? I don't believe we would make as many errant decisions if we spent more time listening to his voice and having a desire of an encounter with God. I don't believe we would do such poor jobs as husbands and wives and parents, as members of the body of Christ, if we were a little more sensitive to the God encounters. We're living in dangerous days, ladies and gentlemen. We're living in an hour that, that is unprecedented and only been prophetically foretold what it's going to be like. If there's ever been a day and an hour that you need instruction from God, it's this day and hour. If it's ever been a day and an hour that you got instruction from God on how to raise your children, this is the day and the hour. If you've ever had a day and an hour to have the prompting of warnings, We're living in a culture that's shooting up everything. You better hear the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit may say, don't go. The Holy Spirit may say, it's time to leave. Why would God possibly give you a word to preserve? Because you're the voice. You shall not be silenced. The only reason you're silenced is because sin and disobedience causes you to no longer operate in authority. The key to your authority is your sensitivity and your obedience to the Holy Spirit to speak into your life with instruction and warning and direction and specific words. Joseph may not be a hero to any, but man, will you want to talk about a foster father? Somebody say, well, he didn't do anything. We celebrate Mary. In our culture, they worship Mary. Mary still had to have a man who was having encounters with God. Because, see, Mary had an initial encounter. Joseph had repetitive encounters in order to make sure that this child that had been entrusted to them that would save the world was not treated as if he was normal. Why should I live as if I'm normal? 
Why should I live like my children are just seed of my loin and not view them as a prophetic inheritance from the kingdom of God under the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost? They'll open their mouths and they'll prophesy to the mountains and decree and declare the works of God. How dare I go through the motions and the mechanics of parenthood? Oh, God forbid that I go through the motions and the mechanics of being a pastor that pacifies your culture and makes you feel good. I want to raise up an army who has encounters with God, who gets instruction from God, direction from God, warnings from God, and God speaks specifically to you. We're living in a world of vagueness when we need a voice. We're living in a world of apathy and we need a voice. I'll close with this thought. You know how hard it is to pastor? Obviously you don't. You know the pressure to be a father? You know the pressure to be a father? Hey, ladies, do you know the pressure to be a mother? What is that pressure? That's that pressure to make sure, Dad, that you make the right decision. Mom, that you make the right decision. That you follow the best course for your children. I see parents in this room that know what I'm talking about when you talk about that pressure force you to pray that's what it feels like to pastor when you're watching your children make poor decisions because they're not taking time to find out what God would have them to do see the Bible is a is a landscape all through this book is a landscape of men and women who had encounters with God Abraham wanted to be a daddy himself and he had an encounter with it in his tent where the Lord spoke to him and said, you'll be the father of many nations. All throughout the book, there's encounters with God. Jacob's encounter with God. He had his, his vision of God. He saw the, the ladder and the angels ascending and descending. And at that moment, God changed his name. How many know that's an encounter you'd like? Moses had a burning bush encounter. Isaiah the prophet had heaven open to him and he saw the throne of God. And God revealed himself and manifested his glory to him. Elijah stood in the, in the cleft of a rock and the earth shook and God says that's not it. He saw manifestations of natural proportion. And God said, that's not it. And yet he hears a small, still voice and has an encounter with God. Paul's on Damascus Road just going about his business. And the glory of God knocks him off his animal, blinds his eyes, and calls him out of a life of sin into righteous apostolic work. Peter, James, and John stood on the top of the mountain and 
saw the Jesus that we're talking about transfigured and come into the glorified body. And James and John marveled. 120 went into the upper room and had an encounter with God and came out of the upper room and turned the entire city upside down because they'd had an experience with God. John the Revelator on the Isle of Patmos had an opportunity to see heaven laid out for him. In fact, he was the first to take the tour. You read the book of Revelation, that's the revelation, the vision of a man who saw heaven, who took the tour, saw it all, and recorded it. Let me ask you something. How desperately do you need an encounter from God? How desperately do you need His instruction? How desperately do you need His direction? How desperately do you need His warning? How desperately do you need Him to be specific so that you don't do something stupid again? How desperate are you for Him to reveal Himself to you so that you can see Him and not yourself? Anybody in this building? How desperate are you to see a manifestation of His glory? Anybody want a foretaste of heaven? Anybody want to see beyond the natural limitations of this thing? There's nothing greater than watching the, the, the power and the glory of God be opened up to you. To where you can see beyond all the natural things and see God. Some say, well, I don't believe in all that. It's pretty difficult to have communion with him if you don't believe in him. See, I believe this book. Many in this room are not quite sure what they believe in. I believe this is the book. Do I have options? Yes. I choose not to explore them. I choose to seek the author of the book. To find clarity, to find understanding, to find strategy, to find his will, his purpose, and to obey it. The word simply says, hearken to and do whatsoever he commands you to do. The excuse many of us have been in, built into our life is we say, I've never heard him tell me to do anything. Stand with me in this room. I did not come into this room to entertain you. I have no desire to be politically correct. I did not come into this room to pacify your religious itch. I came into this room to tell you that if you do not begin to seek for encounters with God, that you're going to continue to walk in a dark place, in the canopy of darkness, and you're going to miss some opportunities for Him to give you instruction and direction and warning and some specific things. Five Stones Church thanks you for listening to this message from Pastor Ryan Smith. For more information, events, and the latest news, consider connecting with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Together, we can awaken a generation. Five Stones Church thanks you for listening to this message from Pastor Ryan Smith.